0: Let me tell you something. There is no nobility in poverty. I have been a rich man, and I have been a poor man, and I choose rich every fucking time. Because at least as a rich man, when I have to face my problems, I show up in the back of a limo, wearing a $2,000 suit, and a $40,000 gold fucking watch.
1: Welcome everyone to Regular Investor Jake the Stock Guy podcast. My name is Garrison Smith, one of the pro traders part of the Jake the Stock Guys trading group. Um, I have Jake with me today, and I also have a very special guest, he goes by Puff Wall Street on Twitter. Also, name is Danny. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well. How about yourself?
1: Doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, Jake, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. You know, I'm doing good. I'm glad
2: to be be here and be able to talk to the uh, the one and only the the pup of wall street which by the way danny how did you come up with that name
0: so uh there's a guy uh scott melker he's uh the wolf of wall street and of course that was taken oh sorry the wolf of wall street and i just you know i love i love the movie uh, i'm also from born and raised here in new york and so i have an affinity for for new york so i thought you know i'm also a, a creative you know I, I own a design company and uh so my creative hat went right on and, and i'm thinking what variations of the wolf of wall street or the wolf of all streets can i come up with and you know at the time i was i was still um i was i was trading but i was i was a young trader from from that perspective and i thought well what's wolf? Well, what's the What's the young of a of a wolf? It's a pup. So that's where kind of the pup came in. And honestly, you know, I'm no longer a pup from, from that perspective, but yeah. it stuck. it's and stuck. And that's what everybody calls yeah. me. So
2: <laughs> That's great. Yeah, once you throw a name out there or once you pick a, pick a name and it metamorphosizes over the time, you're kind of stuck with your name that you gave yourself. It's funny how that works. So you're born and raised... Born and raised in New York. Uh, when, so why don't you know? Why don't we just start off kind of casual, like, Danny? Why don't you tell our audience and for those who are listening, where you kind of like what what your what's your origins? You know, your origins story, if you will.
0: Sure. So, you know, I kind of got struck a little early. You know, in my uh, in my career. Well, not even in my career, and just growing up as a teenager. Grew up, you know, pretty much middle class. And, you know, I I remember watching my father every Sunday keeping his uh, first started off as a kind of a journal note, uh, like a lined rule page notebook, uh, then turned into an Excel spreadsheet of him managing his positions, uh, whether it be in individual names or mutual funds that he was invested in. And so that really synthesized with me pretty early on. Fast forward, uh, when it came time to graduate high school, I was pretty. I've always been pretty independent. Played sports in high school, very competitive, and uh, I come from a family uh, of people that serve. Uh, my father was in the army. His two brothers, uh, one was in the army. Oh, sorry, well, two of his brothers were in the army, and then his other brother, my godfather, was in the navy. And uh, I always remember that movie Top Gun and tom cruise and how cool he was and as a kid i'm like man that's that's pretty cool i'd love to do that and uh, who would have thought watching that movie that just you know a number of years later i'd be joining the navy out of high school and uh doing my my stink to serve my country and by the time i got out i had really good discipline i had a pretty good head on my shoulders i mean i could have went to college i could have gotten into a pretty good school you know, good GPA, mm-hmm. good SAT scores, all the nine. But I, I really, I got I got struck with wanting to travel. And so I, I joined the Navy and traveled the world and saw a lot of things and came back with the mindset of, man, I, I really, I want to do something for myself. I knew I had to work. I knew I had to work for somebody, but I wanted to do my own thing. And, you know, for a couple of years, I, I was working um, just odd jobs, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Got a job at Kinko's. Uh, I don't know if you remember that company. It was uh, later bought by FedEx and integrated into their system. But it was a printing and shipping uh, company. They used to do a lot of uh, printing jobs. That got me into the design world. I picked those uh, the printing department's people's brains. Uh, my father was able. He was a human resources director for a vitamin company. He was able to talk to their art department, get me copies of. Photoshop and Illustrator. And that started me on my entrepreneurial journey. And from there, you know, I, I started my first business, uh, grew that, that led me to around 2008, when the housing market, um, you know, burst. And, you know, at that time, I had started a new business with a, a partner of mine that I had met through my prior business. And, I had money and I didn't know what to do with it and the the market had crashed. And so I thought, wow, what a great opportunity to to learn how to trade. And so I was day trading without knowing any technical analysis. I made money, I lost money. Um, I actually still have a couple of names that I held from way back when, penny stocks, because of course everybody gets into penny stocks first because they're cheap, right? They can go up the most. And uh, that was my first real experience my first world experience with trading and as my business grew i just didn't have the time to spend you know learning the market and studying the market so it wasn't really until 2017 where you know crypto came onto the scene in a big way and i started dabbling in bitcoin and ethereum and cardano and and all of the the big names that were being thrown around in in that mid 2017 run and You know, I I made a good amount of money, but I didn't sell a lot of of what I had. And so I also lost a lot of the gains that I had gained. Um, And that really brought me to where I am today, because at that point, I'm like, man, I wish I would have known technical analysis because all the people I was watching were showing charts and they were showing how they knew when to get in and when to get out. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. I need to learn that. And so from 2017 till about mid 2018, 2019, it was, my, it was my cut my teeth period. It was learn technical analysis and really study the fundamentals of how to dissect a chart. And coming from the design world, I really had the eye to kind of find the patterns within the charts. And so I became really proficient with breaking a chart down. And, uh, and then just uh, in 2019, I came across a platform called TrendSpider. And that was like a marriage made in heaven. I was able to use that platform. It was a beautiful platform, really aesthetically pleasing and produce really nice charts. And it really spoke to, to my inner designer and to how I felt I was as a trader. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history.
1: I mean, that's something I really want to get into today is charting. Um, I use TrendSpotter, I believe. And I'm a very technical analysis person. And I just want to go over like some of the, the most important steps are like any any important things that comes to charting and um, how you um, draw up plays, draw up charts, and look for the next big play.
0: Yeah, I think I I look from a multi time frame analysis perspective. I always start at the top. So if you have a company like Apple or Microsoft that's been around for decades, I might want to look at the monthly chart. Uh, And I know we're we're recording this on uh, just the beginning of March. And so over the weekend, I was looking at monthly charts. I wanted to see where is February's monthly charts going to close on the names that I watch. And so whenever I'm looking at a name, whether it's something that's in my watch list or a new name I'm exploring, I always start at the highest time frame that makes the most sense. More often than not, it's the weekly chart. And then I have my steps of doing my multi-time frame analysis. I'll always draw out all my charts from the weekly down to the daily, down to maybe a sixty-five minute, to a thirty-minute, down all the way down to a five-minute. And I look for all the patterns. I, I want to see where is RSI, especially on the higher time frames. Are there any divergences setting up? I always look at the TTM squeeze. Are there any squeezes set up? Are there multi-timeframe squeezes setting up? I always like to see when there are lower-timeframe squeezes potentially with upper time frame squeezes also setting up that generally will cause a a cascading firing effect depending on which direction we're going in Uh, i use moving averages so i'm always i use different moving averages for different time frames but mostly the like the daily and the weekly i'll look at the uh the 21 ema the 50 sma and the and the 200 sma on the daily weekly and above but below, like 65 minute and below, I'm using an EMA stack of uh, 8, 21, 34, 55, 89. Um, there's, there's a rhyme or reason between those names or those numbers. Uh, they're all Fibonacci numbers, which also infers the other thing I do a lot of, which is fib work. And so I'm looking for Fibonacci levels. I'm looking for retracement levels. I'm looking for extension levels. I'm looking for projection levels. I'm looking for timing. And so... You know, between those few things, along with some anchored VWAP, you know, whether it be from the swing low, the swing high, the year to date, any potential major gaps. I mean, that's kind of the tools that I use. Notice I don't really talk a lot about indicators. I I will use RSI or the Williams percent R for divergence plays, but I don't use them to trade daily. I don't use Stochastics or MACD. Again, I'll use them for divergence strategies, but they often on the lower time frames will give you false signals and uh on the upper time frames I'm only going to use them when I'm looking for confluence i want to know what the story is before I even look at the indicators because then when I look at the indicators i want to be able to let those indicators confirm or deny exactly what I'm seeing but I would never solely take a trade off of a let's say a macd crossover or an r s i breakout so to speak
1: and one of the most that's one of the most important things that comes to me is um I like to use definitely moving averages um, uh, moving averages I love channels I love patterns I like to see or no like i love I love the market to repeat itself and I always look for patterns. Patterns is one of the main things I use to always get into a play. about all the indicators you use
2: um, and i was sa- I was trying to say if if i had to t- if I had to take away all your indicators and you could only use one what would that be?
0: Well, I mean, I don't really use that many indicators. Um, so you could pretty much take them all away and I could just trade off a price action. Um, for me, it's all about price, right? Price is your number one indicator. So take everything away from me. I just need price. Just tell me what the price is and let me see the chart and I'll draw out my support and resistance lines and I could just trade that way. I mean, that's pretty much how I trade from a day trading perspective. Um, just tell me where the price is. I'll tell you exactly where the breakout level is and what my targets are going to be, what my stop loss is going to be. So take it all away. I'm good with that.
2: <laughs> what, what would you say is your, and I agree with you on a lot of points, uh, like everybody kind of does get their start in penny stocks cause they're so cheap and you're just kind of learning a lot of people who are novice and just stepping into the space, um, a lot of the friends I know, they actually, you know, a lot. I'm only 32, right? So a lot of my friends are my age or a little bit older. So a lot of these guys and very few girls, you know, there's just not, not really a, uh, a, a, there's not too many female traders. I don't know why. It's mostly a male-dominated sport or uh, game. But, you know, I know a few female traders, but a lot of people start off with like Timothy Sykes, course or there's a guy by the name of Ross Cameron who runs warrior trading he's got quite a big following he's also a big penny stock guy and I think there's a lot of penny stock gurus on Twitter but um, do you just trade uh, stocks do you do you dabble in options contracts um, futures do you, do you have a particular niche that you that you primarily focus in or, or are you kind of multiverse?d um, and follow up to that is what is what would you say is kind of your shtick or your strategy or your formula that 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 you've kind of carved out for yourself that that allows you to take more money out of the market than you give back
0: so I'm more of a, a less is more kind of guy I don't I don't do a lot of scanning outside of scanning within my watch list. So the first thing I'm going to be doing is setting up my watch list. Now, the watch lists are going to be mostly tech heavy for the most part with some ETFs or pretty much all the ETFs. And what I do on a daily basis and certainly on a weekly, uh, weekly basis is I look at what, what sectors are breaking out. What sectors are showing relative strength to the market? That's going to inform me what I'm going to be trading for the next couple of days or weeks. And for instance, you know, you you look at most people have been trading tech stocks for the last two years. More than that, but a lot of tech stocks for the last two years. And now everybody that's used to trading the Teslas, the Amazons, the Apples of the world are frustrated because they're not going up. They're not necessarily falling like some of these names, like Shopify, who's been basically cut in half, but they're not going up. And so for me as a trader, I, I look at it two different ways. Am I What type of trading am I doing? So for my long-term investing, I'm mostly in shares. I don't try and dabble too much in um, you know, longer dated options. I'm mostly shares. Those are going to be my longer-term conviction plays. For my swing trading, it depends. I generally will option, uh, use options when when swing trading. However, there are certain names that have really disgusting spreads, and so I have no interest in trying to trade options on those names. So I'll, I'll trade I'll trade shares. And when I'm day trading, I'm, I'm exclusively trading options. So, you know what I do from a scanning perspective is I try and identify where the relative strength in the market is. Now, some people might say, well, if you only trade tech stocks, why don't you just trade tech stocks both ways? And the simple answer is it's not that simple because a lot of the times when the market goes down, you're talking about gap downs. And then it's much more difficult to trade to the downside when you gap down because you're always going to get the, that reversion to the mean. And sometimes it, it continues, it fills the gap and it continues to go up. Other times it gets rejected, and comes back down. And it's a lot more work to trade both ways. I personally like trading one way. I like trading to the upside. And, you know, I hate to even use the saying, but there there always is a bull market somewhere in the market. And it's true. So take... A, take uh, metals right copper aluminum gold silver all going up look at oil and gas all going up you know and so what i look for are what are the names that are just about to break out what are the names that have broken out and what are the names that are lagging and you know if i miss a name like you know exxon mobil was probably the first oil name that really started to break out so what's, what else is out there in the oil and, and gas sector that I can look at that that's lagging, that hasn't broken out yet, that has the best setup, the best technicals? And that's where my eye will go to. Now, two years ago, I was not that type of trader. I would, I would have been a frustrated swing trader that didn't know how to approach this market. But, you know, 2021 taught a lot of lessons. So did 2020. And I think the people who are still in this market— are the ones that learn those lessons and and there's the market is is the forever teacher it is forever teaching us lessons and the ones that succeed and the ones that stay alive and and don't blow up accounts are the ones that learn their lessons and for me I learn my lessons through journaling you know I always understand what my position is what my risk is and where I went right and when I and where I went wrong and certainly when I went where I go wrong I want to make sure I understand why I went wrong and never hopefully duplicate that mistake um but the long the long of the short is uh, or the short of the long is uh, i trade options and shares and i trade any name that has a bullish chart to the upside however the one caveat i will say is i do stick within a very small range of names i don't like like i said i don't scan um, but i do scan within my watch list and so my watch list my master watch list might be around 250 to 300 names but these are names that i'm familiar with i've charted at one point or another over the last you know year or so and you know occasionally new names do make the list uh but that would be for more uh, more of a fundamental side or or just uh, an exposure side Uh, but for the most part i stick i stick within my my realm of of knowledge I, i certainly like to trade names that i know I absolutely like to trade names that I consume their product because I know their product intimately. Uh, but that's basically how I trade.
2: Yeah, I like that a lot. I, uh, I'm also in the same school of thought. Uh, I just play one direction. And you just, um, you know, Bruce Lee said something like, don't fear the man who's done one thing or 10,000 uh, things one time. Fear the man who's done one thing 10,000 times. So I agree with you that uh, I just like to play the upside. And really, (laughs) you know, the whole playing the downside, the shorts, um, it seems to me it's like kind of going against the stream. Uh, Because, you know, if you zoom out on the S&P 500 since its conception, it's just a steady bell curve to the upper right. And there's, you know, if you zoom out far enough, those big bear markets are just... You don't even see them. They're like invisible blips on the radar of the steady upper bell curve to the right because the way I see it is like, you know, the dollar is going to continue to lose value. um, And so money just wants to go into assets that are going to appreciate, whether that's gold or crypto or stocks or real estate even. And so... To me, I don't know. I'm just maybe I'm a young bull. Maybe when I get old, I'll become an old bear. But I do love playing um, support resistance lines, and usually I just wait for a pullback to support or the trend line, and I'll go long. And uh, by the way, because we're just getting to know each other, Dan, I uh, I play um, a very risky style of uh, options. I play a very risky style of option strategies which is naked calls. Um, don't, I, I don't play puts even during the, uh, coronavirus correction. I was playing calls, uh, on, on the, the bounce of support, the dead cat bounce. <laughs> never played to the downside, only calls on the, on the, um, on the bounces. But, uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, you you, you want to find something that works for you and you just want to stick to it. If you guys are listening and you're maybe following a couple of different uh, people on Twitter or on Discord or Slack or wherever you're following these people, and you're going to get conflicting strategies and styles. And so you're not really going to get too much results or consistency um, if you jump around like a monkey from branch to branch. You just kind of want to buckle down and figure out who's got the results that you're looking for and just study that one guy and follow him you know until you really really master it and then if you master it why do you even need to try another strategy if you've got something that's working if it's not broke don't fix it by the way Danny thanks so much for your service to this country I didn't get a chance to say that earlier really thank you so much for your service
1: yeah thank
0: you yeah no I appreciate that Uh, just to, to really to go back to what you just said um, that's what that's what I call system hopping. Now, here's the thing. I I mentor and coach a number of of traders uh, upwards of 80 now. And I can tell you that I don't necessarily teach them how I trade because everybody's mentality, everybody's trading psychology is different. So that's why sometimes and, you know, to your point, you saying following, you know, somebody in Slack or Twitter or, or wherever you're getting your signals, I think as traders, we can only get signals for so long. At some point, you have to own your own trade. You can't take someone else's trade idea because one or two things is going to happen. You're either going to make money or you're going to lose money. But in both cases, you don't own that trade. Someone else found it, someone else set it up and you took it. And so what happens from a psychological standpoint is you can't own that win and you're going to point fingers when you get that loss. And it's not good for trading, and that's why a lot of people blow up accounts, and that's why a lot of people quit trading. So I take a different stance. You know, when I when I coach traders and when I go my, do my one on one sessions, I try and dive deep into their into their trading psychological profile. What kind of trader are you? What kind of person are you? You know, are you the type of person that wakes up at five o'clock every morning, uh, meditates for fifteen minutes, drinks a glass of water? does some deep work for an hour or two, and, and then uh, does some exercises and maybe some yoga? Are you that type of person? Or are you the type of person that's going to wake up 10 minutes before the market opens and take any random trade uh, of signal that you see on Twitter? I mean, there's two different types of people. And then there's a whole bunch of gray in the middle. And so I have to understand the person I'm working with to, order, to understand what type of trader they can be. And even understanding that now you have to look at the person from a learning perspective everybody learns differently i'm more of a hands-on learner Uh, i i never was great at reading a book and learning i was more about taking a video course or doing a one-on-one session you know with somebody and then learning directly from them but everybody learns different um but what i one thing i can say is what's accelerated my trading career is working with other traders is trading with other traders it's not about you know buying a service and, and getting signals and, and making a couple of bucks that'll work until it doesn't work anymore. You need to be able to do the trades yourself, but you also need to verify those. You know, I, you know, for earlier on in my career, I definitely had a number of services that I was involved in where I would get signals, but I quickly learned that I needed to vet those signals myself. I needed to do the charts myself. I needed to find my own levels. I can't just trust what some rando on Twitter is gonna put out there to, to trust that their chart is, is right. And also their style of trading might be very different. right? You know, they might be um, taking profit on the way up instead of compounding on the way up. right? There's two different strategies. And so if you don't understand what type of trader you are, you, you won't be able to, to, to get into the right service that's going to you know, align with your trading uh, perspective and, and your tradability.
2: I completely agree. Yeah, you know, um, speaking of, uh, just to touch a little bit further on that subject, um, what, what, what did you have kind of a beginner's luck in the beginning, and then, you know, I think you we touched on it earlier with the 2017 crypto run and how you didn't take any profits, and so you a lot of those unrealized gains became less unrealized gains and then you kind of were like well I need to figure out this technical analysis stuff did you have any um, I mean have you ever blown up an account I have you ever like uh, you know uh, had a big loss and, and just what, what were some of the I would say I would say what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned since starting trading and if you're taking notes if you guys are listening uh, any of the audience you know you might want to take notes because this stuff, uh, you'll hear kind of the same thing from all professional traders, and you need to be aware of it, so you yourself can avoid these these pitfalls that are are all too common. Yeah,
0: I was lucky, man. I, I first off, I've never blown up an account um, because I, when I first started trading full time. And, you know, I traded for a while part time, you know, here and there. I take a swing trade, you know, but when I first started trading full time, meaning I'm taking trades almost every day, I was actually trading with a group of friends. Uh, I was lucky enough that I was invited into a WhatsApp group a few years ago, and it was just somebody I knew from high school. I trusted him. I I hadn't connected with him for a while, and he invited me into his group, and it was about like 20 guys and gals in the group. Of which about ten or twelve of them were really good traders. And I just for a year just picked their brains. Um, I really just learned, you know, a lot of sharing of information, a lot of, you know, sharing of ideas. And I, I basically that was the start of me building my rule set. And I don't trade without rules. You really shouldn't live life. You really shouldn't do anything without rules, right? There, there's the rule of law. You know, there, there's the rule of the road. There should be rules in trading. And if you don't have a rule set that you're working off of, find one, search one, Google it, you know, and download it. Get an idea of what a rule set looks like, and start to modify it according to, you know, your trading values. Um, you know, to give you a nice, you know, an idea. You know i I look to under trade. These are some of my rules. I look to under trade. I don't over trade. You know over trading leads to lose to to losing money and and bigger losses. Um I've never had like a really big loss because I've always applied proper risk management. I always put stop losses in. Um, if if a trade doesn't go the direction I think it's going to go i'll I'll stop out pretty quickly. And I'll take that trade again if if it aligns with my original trade plan. Um, I'm 90% technical trader and like 10% fundamentals. Um, I'm not really super interested in what a company does um, in terms of like day trading and things like that. Of course, when you're talking longer term trading, yes, you need to have an understanding of fundamentals and all that good stuff. Um, I try, especially for options trading, I try and do limit orders, not market orders. Especially for names that have a wider spread, you do not want to market into those names. You will be down on your position right from the jump. And so you're starting in the mm. red. So make sure you're, you're taking limit, sure. limit orders, uh, not market orders. Um, you know, again, just like watching something I've really gotten much better at in the last 18 months is watching money flow. Uh, so I use a, a service called Black Box Stocks. And uh, they give you really good options flow data. So it's like basically sitting behind the, the, uh, the chair of the top hedge fund analyst and trader, right? You're seeing order flow as it's coming in, puts, calls, uh, and dark pool data. And learning how to watch op- options flow and seeing how it aligns with technicals is an edge. And if you wanna be successful in this market, you have to start stacking your edges. Uh, Everything is an edge, you know, having a repeatable pattern is an edge, you know, entering trades at a certain time is an edge. And a lot of it boils down to, you know, to journaling. You, You need to journal your trades, every single one of them. And, you know, I think starting off journaling by hand is fine, but you need to get digital with your journal because you need it to be searchable. You need it to be sortable because the devil is in the details no matter what you do in life. And especially in trading, you wanna know where you're deficient. You wanna know that every time you took a, a trade on Boeing, you lost money. Well, guess what? If you lose money every time you take a trade on Boeing, don't trade Boeing. I mean, that's gotta be a rule. So, you know, if you lose money every time you take a lotto trade on Friday, then don't take lotto trades on Friday. Again, this is about risk management and journaling and understanding the data you know if you understand what gives you your losses and you find out how to mitigate those losses and minimize them and you focus in on on the types of trades that are winners for you maybe you know 70% of the time you take a bull a bull flag breakout you make money well guess what Start only looking for bull flag breakouts, right? It it makes a lot of sense. Sometimes it makes too much sense. But, you know, especially somebody that's newer to trading, you're excited, you've got this new skill. There's so many trade ideas out there. You want to take every single one of them. And by doing that, that's how you blow up an account. You have to be sniper mentality. You have to be, you know, focus on one, two trades at a time. Don't try and take 15 trades. Don't try and manage an account with thirty names. It, you, you're gonna you're gonna lose your mind doing that. You have to be really focused. You have to get that shot like that that sniper mentality versus the shotgun mentality. You pick these trades off one at a time. You collect your money. You say thank you very much, Mister Market. You don't get married to your names. That's another one of my rules. Never marry your positions because you know. I've seen too many traders, especially on Twitter. You have a pretty decent following, and every once in a while, I get these I get these messages uh, about NNDM. It's a name that Kathy Woods is is, is big on. I think it's a three D a three D name. And every like month, I get Hey, where's NMDM? Where when is it going to turn? And it's like, man, you got you can't you can't get married to that name. It, it, it's it's going to go up when it's going to go up. It might be next week. It's probably going to be next year or maybe ten years from now. I don't know. So never get married to your positions. I can go on and on about my rule set, but in the end, it really comes down to that. You need a rule set.
2: That's great. Yeah, I think of every stock as uh, really just a pump and dump scheme unless proven otherwise. I mean, look at Zoom, $500 stock uh, last year. It's back to around $125 trading, you know, and it's probably going back to 100 you know. So, yeah, don't get married, you know And uh, I think we just had a crazy run in the market the last two years With coronavirus and what it did to rates And uh, the market just uh, really, really took off And and it really was just from what the Fed was doing And, you know, the low rates and stuff And now that is kind of easing off You don't really look at the macro conditions so much, Danny or, or, or do you, you know, I think the president's coming out today with the uh, State of the Union address. Uh, you know, what's that going to do to the markets, if anything? Sure, I pay
0: attention. I mean, I'm not going to say it doesn't factor into when I'm going to trade. I mean, if there's a Fed meeting or a president's talking or some kind of exogenous event happening, I'm going to be very wary of my positions. And if I have positions on, I'll hedge them. But yeah, I don't. I don't really let, I mean, outside of what's happening right now uh, in the Ukraine, I don't let these external, you know, these external forces, these external news events affect the way I trade because I'm more of shut the news off, shut the TV off, shut off Twitter and all your news streams and just focus on the chart. I mean, the answer is in the price. And if you look for answers in other places, you're going to get lied to one way or another. So I I prefer to look at price only. Price doesn't lie. Uh, But certainly, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm of course going to, you know, listen, I I could tell you like a month and a half ago, I started to really watch the defense sector stocks, Uh, Raytheon, uh, RTX, uh, Lockheed, Martin, uh, LOC, and... um, um Northwick Grumman sorry NOC, uh, LMT and NOC right why because if the beat the beating of the of the war drums is going to happen then the defense stock sector is in play now it's not a sector I want to invest in uh, but that is just how the market works right the war the war drums are being beat and st- defensive stocks are going to go higher because if war breaks out, those stocks are going to explode. And guess what? No, no pun intended. They did explode. Um, and it's certainly not the time. I mean, I'll track them. I'll post them. I don't trade them. It's just from a pure principle standpoint uh, based on the, the fundamental nature of those companies. But the reality is a chart is a chart is a chart. And, and that was, you know, a, a, along with oil and gas, Again, you know, Russia is a big uh, natural gas and oil producer. And so, sure, that's going to affect the markets. Sure, it's going to help surge the price of oil and gas products. So, I mean, you have to look at the market from a, you know, a black and white standpoint. And, you know, the longer you're in the market, the more you see how these external events uh, affect different prices of different sectors the more muscle memory you're going to build in your mind to say, I've seen this before. I know how this story plays out. And so by seeing it before, I knew how it was going to play out and I knew where to properly position myself accordingly.
2: That's awesome. Hey, and if it makes you feel any better, Danny, um, you, you, uh, I've blown up multiple accounts. I've blown up my brother's and my father's account learning how to trade. <laughs> it, certainly, it certainly doesn't make me feel better. <laughs> but
0: but listen i mean it's it's a very common story right uh there's like a a statistic that people love to throw out 90% of traders fail right it's because 90% of traders that fail give up because they didn't they weren't taught the right way they didn't te- they didn't know the right system they they tried one type of of way to trade and it didn't work for them and they gave up it's it's like you know i, I can't come up with a really good analogy for it but it's the wrong mentality i mean if, if i gave up on everything that i tried once and failed at i would never succeed at anything right but you have to look at failure as a as a um a learning lesson you know it's like anything in life right if you fail all right well, well why did you fail right what was the reason figure out why figure out the why and figure out then the how to fix the why it's the same thing with trading, you know. I think people overcomplicate this too much. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely not easy to learn, but you know there there are ways to learn that make it easier.
2: Uh, just it's just a lot of people like to overcomplicate things. They sure do, including myself. Um, you know, I uh, was just thinking. Um, next time I'm in New York City, are you in the city or what? Or where are you?
0: I'm uh, I'm in brook I'm
2: in Brooklyn. Okay, nice. Next time I'm in the city, I have to. What you have a favorite? Uh, you have a favorite place, like a favorite restaurant or a favorite uh, bar? Depends on what.
0: Like, Depends on what what you're hungry for. I've got lots of favorites. Give me an example. Give me. Uh, give I really me like Italian. Uh, then you would have to go. Well, there's a there's a spot called. Um, Oh, what is the name of it? It's going to slip my mind, but it's a, it's a pizzeria. So definitely Little Italy, but there's also another Little Italy in, in the Bronx uh, on Arthur Avenue. Um, the Little Italy that's the traditional Little Italy is a lot smaller than it used to be, uh, but there is a place on Mulberry Street, and for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the pizzeria. Uh, it starts with an R. I'll, I'll figure it out before, before the end of this podcast, but um, they do this kind of like spiral um, pesto red sauce pizza that's like out of this world, super unique, uh, but their pasta dishes are really, really good as well. Um, And there's another, there's a cheese place called Artisanal that, that focuses more on cheese, but does a lot of traditional Italian uh, plates with it. So I think those would be two uh, high recommendations, but there's a lot of, honestly, there's a lot of, really good uh italian food both traditional italian and what i would consider like new italian in the city so um but i'm more of a Bro- i'm more of a brooklyn boy so I-, I i do go into the city but i'm i'm mostly if i'm going out to eat i'm mostly going out to eat more.
2: yo welcome to brooklyn fuck you hey i'm just kidding no i lived in prospect La gardens uh once upon a time so yeah new york city is 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 amazing it's, you should. Uh, everybody should live there once But leave before it makes you too hard <laughs> But uh, no it, it's, it's a beautiful city um, If you guys get a chance to go um, You gotta go It's the, the big apple Yeah I actually looked into getting an office This is a little bit off subject for the audience And around trading and, and getting an edge But I looked into renting an office In uh, One World Trade Center On the 85th floor is amazing. Amazing building, amazing views. Oh, yeah, totally. But you know, I just I just was like, you know what? I don't really need to. It was like kind of it was just extra, too flashy, you know? I was like, do I really need this? And the answer was no. I I'm I'm, uh, I'm down here in West Palm Beach, Florida. That but I uh, yeah, I just grew up in Florida, so kind of bounced around a little bit, lived in New York City, lived in LA, and uh lived in Hawaii, lived in Seattle, lived in Mexico, uh, Colorado, just, I was kind of a hippie guy for, uh, like, 10 years, in my, all my 20s, no, no, uh, no particular, uh, direction, just kind of blowing with the wind, and, uh, I was actually a yoga teacher, um, <laughs> in, in L.A. when I met my friend Stefan from, uh, Berlin, Germany, who's, he's an immigrant, He's, uh, he's a fantastic options trader and, and, and very funny guy. He's, uh, he got me into options and I, and he would just, uh, scalp the S&P 500 spy and I watched him do it for like a year and, uh, watched his progress, didn't, never took a trade and finally, you know, downloaded E-Trade. Uh, I got, I got the, I got the app, I got the broker, funded it and, uh immediately started losing money for, for that's not true i got a little taste of success i think i had beginner's luck as well i had a taste of success in the beginning you know i made like i'd do a a, a 500 position and i'd, I'd be up 100 percent in 10 minutes you know and sell you know um good thing about spy is it's got a tight spread so you can market order in market order out you know i'd make 500 bucks in 10 minutes and i'm like oh i'm never going back to work again I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna travel the world. Fast forward like three years <laughs> finally finally kind of found my, my way to like my winning. I would call it you know my own winning strategy formula and rules that I know I teach and and, and you know people subscribe to our group for these alerts. but uh, I, I want to actually touch more on what it is that you offer in your newsletter and how can people, sign up and how can people learn from you Danny? Cause I think actually you're one of the leaders in the space and that's why I was so felt so lucky to have you on the show that we're doing. Cause the whole point of the show is to sort of get the message out there to people who are either already in the market or interested in the market. You know, what can you, what, what can you learn from the pros, you know, and, uh, take it from us guys. We've been doing this a long time. We've You know, some of us, uh, have had to, you know, learn through a lot of pain and suffering. But uh, if you actually take notes and you're following along, you'll you'll be light years ahead of the guy next to you. Yeah, I appreciate that. So um yeah, I have a newsletter that goes
0: out every Sunday evening at six PM Eastern Standard Time. I've sent out, well, oh, probably about 30 editions. Uh, I've only missed one week because I was on vacation actually two weeks ago. I was up in the mountains, uh, got an Airbnb in the mountains and uh, no internet, barely a signal. So it was a, it was a slog to get charts out. So I basically took that week off, but pretty much every week it's a free newsletter. Easiest way to sign up, just go to my Twitter page. That's uh, the Pup of Wall Street uh, ST. Uh, Go to my Twitter page there, right under my bio, there's a way to sign up. Like I said, it's free. I have about 4,000 or so uh, subscribers, very low uh, unsubscribe rate, very high open rate. I think my open rate average is like 47 48%, which which is pretty good. And so what I do is I take you through the weekly indexes, so SPY, the Qs, the IWM, uh, there are some premium portions to the newsletter itself. I'll talk about that in a moment, but uh, I'll go over the economic calendar for the week, uh, the sectors that I'm going to be watching. I'll always have one particular name of that I'll, tr- you know, that's my trade of the week. Uh, this week was FCX. That's uh, Freeport McMurrin. It's doing really, doing really well. It's been one of my best trades uh, probably for the last three months. They are a copper play. Um, so i'll break down weekly daily 30 minute chart i'll give you some news i'll look at the options flow and dark pool data see what's going on there what strikes are hot Uh, when we're in earnings season i'll always have an early earnings calendar up there i'll tell you what i'm looking for and what i'm watching that week uh every weekend i put out about 25 to 30 weekly uh, charts Uh, i'll always drop that uh, in the uh, the link to that particular post um, in the newsletter as well uh, I'm really big on reading, so I'll throw in my thread of the week. Uh, this week's thread of the week was from Sahil Bloom, who wrote about the, de- uh, the de- de- deterioration of the Ukraine uh, Russia situation and talked a little bit about SWIFT. So I thought, Swift. SWIFT was probably something that most of uh, every listener here and most listeners uh, that are in the financial space should understand what SWIFT is and, and what it is. So I shared that. And then I do a ton of spaces throughout the week. I do probably three to five spaces, about seven to ten hours a week. So you can usually find me on Twitter spaces in, in any of the financial uh, names. Um, I'm actually going to be on tonight, actually. Every Tuesday, I do a 12 o'clock live charting space and i do uh, a 8 p m eastern uh, i do a market overview with some of my uh, my friends so um yeah i mean that's pretty much my newsletter it's free it goes out every week like i said sunday uh, 6 p m and then there's some links that link off to my my service which is partially mentoring uh, and coaching as i had talked about earlier uh, but also uh, the members of my group they they understand how i trade and they know what i look for and so i put out i have like my top 10 conviction play these are my long-term plays i do a weekend video which basically sets you up for the next week which goes over anywhere from 15 to 20 charts um, i share all of my Spider scans and watch lists that, that you know other Spider users can import into their system And um, yeah, I mean, every morning I send out a a member's newsletter or a member's email talking about the state of the market, uh, pre-market, what's going on, any big news events, uh, what are my trade plans. Usually I have one or two trade plans every day. And then throughout the week, I'll keep everybody abreast of what's going on with those trade plans. Uh, Been able to pretty much nail the market for the last four to six weeks, which is nice because it's definitely been a struggle. but. Like I said, usually my process, I'm able to find, you know, the market leaders at the moment. Doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get a ton of follow through, but, you know, we're taking quicker profits these days. Uh, It's just uh, good risk management. And um, yeah, so that's pretty much my newsletter. And and then my university is Pup University. It's pupcharts.com. That's where you could sign up for one of my member services or uh, sign up for my coaching and mentoring service. So
1: make sure you guys all go check out um danny's newsletter check out his um website maybe you guys want a technical analysis class etc um he's a very great teacher one of the biggest uh names on twitter for trading to learn from definitely go check him out and it was great having you on the show today danny
0: yeah my pleasure uh thank you so much for having me and uh giving me the opportunity to tell my story And uh, good luck to you guys as well. And good luck to everybody in the audience. And uh, feel free, if you have any questions about anything I went over, uh, go ahead and DM me on Twitter. Um, My DMs are open. I pretty much respond to everybody who DMs me. Might not get back to you right, right away, but generally within a day, I get back to you.
1: That's great, man. That's great. Thank you.